Hi, my name's Kim Cole, and I'm your host of Real 510. Our podcast is dedicated to the stories of real buyers and real sellers in the East Bay residential housing environment in Northern California. Finding a solid investment to grow one half to several million dollars is a strategic and calculative exercise of wisdom and intuition. Now mix in the emotional meaning of home, your safety, your shelter, your memories. The task is daunting. The influences are great and there's no proven instruction manual. Join us as we explore the process, the challenges, and the triumphs of those who have successfully navigated the storm. Welcome to Real 510. I'm very excited um, about this show today. It's uh, it's interesting because it's a couple of firsts for us. Um, it's it's definitely the first in that. Typically, we're, our show, Real 510, is focusing on buyers, or it has been in the past. And um, there's plenty of buyer experiences out there. And when I started the podcast, I thought the kind of millennial culture really needed to hear about other people's stories because that's a way that they learn, they, those people, those millennials that I love so much, opposed to... Um, people that are in more their empty nesting age, which I had always felt learned from more traditional ways. But what I have found is the power of a story surpasses all generations. And we have a lot of clients out there and friends and people that we meet that are going through some pretty big changes in their life with leaving their big family home and moving to a much smaller home, maybe in a more urban area or maybe two homes or what have you. And it's a big deal. So today we're going to talk about sellers for the first time. And in addition to that, this is my first uh, taking the show on the road. So I am sitting with my very, very, very special guests, Diana Kung and Chuck McClendon, also known as the McCungs. And I'm at their beautiful, beautiful two-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. So I'd like to welcome you guys to the show and um, tell us a little bit about you. Um, I am a native San Franciscan, born and raised here. We moved to San Leandro in 1989, our first home, looking for a little bit of sun, a little bit of being able to own our own home, and my sister lived out there. There happened to be a home for sale, and it had a swimming pool, and that just sold us. So we were in San Leandro for about 10 years, and then we found this amazing dream home in Dublin, and we were there 20 years, and we absolutely loved living out there. Amazing dream home that was five bedrooms, it was five bedrooms, four bathrooms, swimming pool, view, huge gourmet kitchen, anything you could possibly want. Three-car garage, and on and on and on. Okay. Absolutely. 40 cabinets in the kitchen. Compared to nine cabinets here. <laughs> I think there's seven. My, my, how things have changed. I was part of the let's get out of the fog dream. That uh, caused our move to San Leandro. And uh, 
after spending 10 years in San Leandro and 20 years in Dublin, we had the opportunity to acquire property in San Francisco, this property. And uh, the first thoughts were to rent it and to um, to add, use it to add to our income. But as we started developing the plan, the opportunity to retire uh, was added to the story. And we took that, my retirement, not hers, and um, uh, added that to the plan. And it started evolving into this uh, snowballing mass that... Uh, that was uh, the formulation of a plan. Uh, once we added retirement and moving to the city to the plan, then marriage came into the question. Holy smokes. I forgot about that. <laughs> so, then, uh, so now we're uh, retiring, um, moving to the city, selling the big house, and getting married uh, all in the same plan. And uh, that that's what the final... The final working piece was that we uh, got to deal with. So it's funny because like the classic, and I, I remember taking this type of a class when I was, well, many, many, many years, many lives ago, um, but the classic stress management class, you know, they do this questionnaire and um, ask about different things that are going on in your life. Did you get a new job? Did you get fired from a job? Did you move? Did you have a change in your family? Did you get married? Did you do this? Did you do that? And you pretty much hit like the top eight things that create stress in your life. (laughs) I think selling a house is completely stressful, but doable. If you have the right agent that guides you through it uh, and just all the different steps that happen when you're, when you're selling it, because it is so close to your heart when you do something like that. And so selling the home, I mean, let's just talk about that whole idea, right? So you have this beautiful 3,500 square foot home, five bedroom, three car garage, large property piece, pool, you know, your own kind of spa, if you will, in this home, um, in a really beautiful neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. You, along the way, had acquired a vacation property that you use a lot. Um, and I, I love that. Like a lot of people get a vacation property and maybe they'll go there every once in a while. You guys really, you're on the go. You do all that. And then you... Just when everything is just perfect, then changes start happening in life, right? You have a job change. You think, you know, our parents get older. We're kind of where our attention is, is going into different directions. Plus, there's a, like an ultimate strategy, right? That suddenly hits you of, okay, I've worked so hard all my life to acquire all these things. Now we have all these things. And enjoying all these things. And now we've decided we're going to get rid of, start getting rid of all these things, right? Like, how did that happen? What, what, what inspired that? What was your strategy? It was a big transition. Um, it started with the passing of my mother and the settling of that estate, uh, allowed us an opportunity to get property. Mm hmm. And, uh, that was the initial stone in the snow that started everything rolling. 
um, like I said, it's, it's snowballed, uh, with into retirement and instead of renting the property for income, um, moving, actually moving into it and living in the city, um, and using that as a vehicle to sell the property in Dublin. It wasn't really a strategy. It was mo- mostly a snowballing effect of one decision we made, uh, to acquire the property and start renting it. Interesting. Interesting. So I didn't know that. I actually thought that that was kind of a part of a big, like your big plan, financial strategy of here's what retirement's going to look like. We're going to scale this back. We might get something in Monterey and, you know, start living just this little different life, right? But no, it was almost more reactionary. Mm-hmm. What, uh, that was the original plan was um, using it as a financial source to fund whatever else we were going to do in life. Yeah. Um, and then once we made that one turn, then, uh, pieces started falling into place. So as I recall, you were very strategic about that plan once you both decided on it. And and how was that, by the way, to Chuck, did you kind of go, okay, here's the direction we're going. And Diana, you said, well, okay, I'm not sure. Or do I mean, or was it like, how, how did that whole thing work? How did that dynamic work? I think I came up with the plan and then I, I dragged her kicking and screaming <laughs> into it. Uh, but once, once we, we had a formula and once we talked about things that we wanted and, and derived a plan of how it would work, then she became more and more accepting. I was just going to add that I think it was, it was a hard decision. I didn't want to give up the dream house. I wasn't ready. And it, I did it kicking and screaming and wasn't sure that I wanted to move into the city because I do work here. So I really enjoyed the escape to Dublin. Mm-hmm. But now, over time, I have rarely thought about that house in Dublin. On a really hot day, I do miss looking at that swimming pool. <laughs> but other than that, not doing that big commute, on oh Bart. my God. I mean, how many hours a day have you saved? It started out as w- a little more than one hour each way per day. But by the time we sold or right before I retired, uh, it was about just under two hours uh, on the outbound commute and up to three hours on the return commute. So it was five hours a day in the car. Holy smokes. I mean, that's a lot of time. So for me, it was an hour and 10 minutes on BART, door to door, and now it's eight to 10 minutes to get to work. And some days I walk home from work. It's so easy. I can take a bus. I can take a cable car. I can take Uber, which you can't do when you live 40 miles outside of the city. Yeah, and I can say, like, walking in Dublin is not really that fun. Not at 101 <laughs> degrees, it's not, no. Walking in the city, I mean, it's a show, you've got all this retail, all that super cool stuff. Okay, well, back to this plan. So, blink, blink, you um, decide, let's change our lives, let's see what we can do to really get things confused and stressed and uh, sell our home and move into this place. <laughs> It actually didn't seem that way to somebody observing it. It actually seemed like you had a very strategic plan with steps. How did that, how did you come up with that? But by the time that 
you got involved with the sale of the Dublin par- property, we pretty much did have the plan in place because uh, we had already decided that we were going to move into the city um, and and take all these other steps. So at that point, uh, we formulated the plan of, you know, well, what do we have to do to get out of A and into B? Uh, and that that required shucking about 80% of our belongings that wouldn't fit in a condo that's one-third of the size of the, the palace that we had in the East Bay. And that's, I mean, that time after time after time is what I hear with the biggest sigh from our clients that are considering the idea of empty nesting and getting into an urban property. Because, I mean, the appeal of an urban property is really, uh, it's huge to, I think, someone that's getting a little bit older because you don't want to drive anymore. You don't want to go out to dinner and have two glasses of wine and get in the car. It's not, that isn't, that's not cool <laughs> to do that. They don't want to do it. You want to be able to walk to a coffee shop or get in an elevator if you have knee replacement surgery, <laughs> you know, which, a lot of us are faced with these kinds of things. You want to have a concierge. You don't want to have to worry about packages. Um, you want your guests to be screened. There, I mean, there's just some really um, these are these are all things that that empty nester is saying. But then followed by, what am I going to do with all this stuff? My kids don't want it. My friends don't want it. My kids and my friends' friends don't want it. So what am I going to do? You know, you think people would want it on uh, Craigslist or eBay, but uh, for the most part, they don't. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, you know, we were lucky in the East Bay in, the, in that they have all these Central Valley donation expos, you know, um, uh, disabled American veterans and boys and girls clubs and all these places that are based in the Central Valley with big trucks Dublin was in the reach of all those. So when we finally decided we couldn't sell and we had to donate, uh, donate we did. And they came by the truckload to pick it up, which was really nice. We wouldn't have been able to do that in the city. Uh, they just, they won't come that far. So going in the other direction wouldn't have worked. Well, and it's shocking how a lot of places don't want your furniture, whether it's Salvation Army or whatever it might be, Goodwill. They don't want the big executive desk anymore. Because nobody else wants it. Because nobody has a home like that anymore. They either can't afford it if they're starting out or they're trying to empty nest. Exactly. We, we do kind of have that tweener time in our, I mean, the, the demographics of this area. It's exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny what you think is so valuable and so useful, so I practical. Wants it. Yeah. What is it? Why wouldn't they want it? When we were kids, we would have taken all this stuff gladly. Yeah, that's so funny. Another thing we really used was the uh, garbage disposal pickups. They had large pickups, right, for what was the amount, Chuck? Yeah, they would take... Um, like a bulky pickup day or something? I think, it was, I think it was nine cubic yards per pickup three times a year in the East Bay. Which was great. So this is for the stuff that even you know you know you didn't wa- you didn't want to donate, or or stuff that was clearly garbage. Um, and again, in the city, they don't even have that service. So uh, it was it was nice to be able to do that from from a, a suburban area. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. What other what other tools? Like, are there some other useful tools for you when you when you decide to make this change, decide to scale down and sell the home? Well, knowing you was the the first big tool. That was Yay. that this, was the, this the, is not a chemical sponsored. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's, you, know, you you sold us the place and uh and then 20 years later you helped us um you know make this change so that was one thing because otherwise it would have been stressful finding finding an agent and you know establishing a trust base and 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 and, and doing all that work that we didn't have to do here and uh it was it was a known quantity so uh, and there was a known comfort level so that was really really helpful it was uh part of the base security blanket that we had when we started all of this everything else was an adventure it was um finding out how to do things and and uh and sometimes finding out how to do things again to do it the to do it the right way and sort of having a loose plan, not having to be able to stick to something that was very rigid. Our timeline was rigid. That was one thing that sort of drove us. Why was that? It was rigid because of the retirement date. Mm. Well, and I think rigid because if you're going to sell, you you do want to have it on the market at a specific time, summertime or at the end of summer. And I think we hit July 4th. And I remember that we talked about this and we were thinking, well, you know, it's on a three day weekend. There may not be a lot of people because a lot of people are out of town. And that weekend we had 35 groups of people come through our house on a Sunday open house between one and four, which was absolutely amazing and incredible. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. And just such a stress reliever that that happened because it is so stressful when you're selling your house and you want to know that it's marketable and people are looking at it. And we obviously did every step right with you. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. I have to say it takes a team and that I very much felt like yourselves are subcontractors that were involved, your subcontractors that were involved were we we were a team, you guys, we were a team. I mean everybody communicated with each other, everybody did whatever they needed to do to support the sale. I mean whether you guys were doing some repairs on the property, even though your place was pretty perfect the way you maintained it. You realized that that might not be the way everybody wants to do it. And you really worked with let's neutralize it. Let's make it look super fresh and, and, um, think from a marketing perspective. It only worked because everyone worked together so well. And even with the strategy with pricing mm-hmm. and with uh, all of that, I think we really communicated with each other and really worked together to give it the, the most bang for its buck. So it was really exciting to see that all hit just right. But I remember, I remember having the talk about like August is the kiss of death. Do not list your home in August. <laughs> and we were trying to beat July, but it just all kind of fell right into place, which was cool. And I feel like that was um, that was just serendipitous in some ways. A lot of talent, a lot of prep, but serendipitous as well. 
So with that, what were some of the most difficult hurdles in this whole process? Were they physical things or were they emotional things? For me, it was physical. Um, the, the shedding of 30 plus years of collection was traumatic. There was uh, stuff stored in every closet, in every cabinet, and every nook and cranny. How many had. cabinets? <laughs> there, were, there were many and uh we had nine different donation pickups uh just trying to get this stuff out uh like i said we shed about 80 percent of of what we had and we should have done another 10 percent because that was stuff that we we relocated it to the new pl new house and we had to get rid of it from this side which was a lot tougher than uh than doing it in the East Bay. That was, I think that was a big hurdle. Other than that, not many things seem to fall into place pretty well. I think you also realize what's important and what's not. And now I'm very careful about what I bring into the house. Do I really need that extra big platter? And if something comes in like an air fryer, something needs to go out. <laughs> because we just don't have the space. But that's okay. It's because it's really not important to have all of these things. Yeah. And that has been huge for me. Yeah. To just shed, get rid of, to not have the formal dining room table. Yeah. But we found this amazing expanding dining room table that seats 12. And it will close down to two feet by a foot, do you think, Chuck? Roughly. I'm so I think that's a gold star moment, right? Like, and I walked into Chuck and Diana's home tonight for the first time, and I see this little. I had heard about the table, the table that you traveled to Vancouver to take a look at this table, we did. right? Mm -hmm. And I walk in, and there's this little desk, like it's just this cute little. I don't know, maybe maybe two feet by three foot, two feet by three and a half foot desk, right? With a chair again, chair under it and against a wall. And it's just like in a perfect little spot. And they have all this open space in the condo. And um, I'm like, is that it? Is that the 12 person? Ta is it 12? 12, 12 person table. 12. Yeah. I mean, what a find. But just thinking differently, right? We have to think differently of how do we accommodate our guests so we don't feel ripped off that we can't have a dinner party anymore, but live in this small space. Okay, wait. So let's hear some more of those gold star things. Well, but, um, in the guest bedroom, we uh, had a friend who's a carpenter who helped uh, design and build a Murphy bed. So now we have uh, what looks like a cabinet that folds down into a bed whenever we have guests staying over uh, in the guest room. And, uh, this is shared as an office, um, with, uh, all kind with a sit stand desk that, that, that worked out pretty nice. Nice. Um, those are the big things I think. But we've basically, we have the same amount of things where we can have get guests, where we can have a desk, where we can have 12 people over and yet we shed 2,500 square feet or so. Which is pretty amazing. It's pretty freaking amazing. And I don't see, like, I don't see a big want here. I mean, and again, you walk out the door and you're at 
75 amazing restaurants within a three to four mile radius. I mean, really, right? It's true. I mean, you can walk out the door and we walk all the time to restaurants, to dinner, or just around the neighborhood. Uh, Grocery shopping, we're in the burbs before you had to get in your car, you had to drive. Now we can hit three grocery stores in one day all by walking the neighborhood in which we do all the time. And it's fantastic. It really is. So now tell the truth. What do you really, really miss the most since you've scaled down your life? For me, it's more about the weather is Mm. is completely different in Dublin than to San Francisco by 30 degrees. And looking out onto my swimming pool, which was amazing. But I have hardly thought about that. Now we are on the 17th floor and looking out in an amazing sunset at this moment. And I was just going to say, this is not such a bad view. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. <laughs> it's pretty freaking, yeah, incredible. Definitely. And I do not miss the commute. I don't miss that time spent doing all of that. I've saved just about two hours a day, which I'm finding different things to do with that time, whatever you want to do or nothing. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. So are you still unpacking? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, we, we do have boxes to get rid of, but very few now. I think we're down to eight. But we had when we moved. About, about 60. I think it was more like 160. Holy smokes. Well, when we moved, it was, yeah, it was, it was over 100, but... After we unpacked the initial unpack, what was left in the stack oh. to deal with was about 60 boxes. So it's like, okay, we got the 100 taken care of. Now what do we do with the last 60? Right. <laughs> right. That, was the ex- that was the extra 10% that we should have shed before we left. Yeah, yeah. But who? I mean, it wasn't the end of the world that you packed that up and you yeah. brought it with you and you went through it. And that actually is probably a reassuring thing for our listening listeners to hear. Like, you don't have to take care of everything 100%. You can take it with you. You could put it in storage. I mean, I caution, 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 right, about putting it in storage. but And work your way through it. What about, um, and I was just thinking about this as we're talking, because you, you Chuck, are somebody who hangs on to documents, right? Hangs on to records, mm-hmm. even though you're... You could be totally paperless and you help people manage paperless businesses, right? What... What do you do with all of the files and documents? I was a technology manager in my career. And so I learned a couple of tools, uh, about a couple of tools, and I built a um, uh, my own cloud storage. Uh, so it's a private cloud. And uh, I found a, a pretty decent scanner. And the documents that I wanted to keep, which was quite a bit, I uh, scan. And, uh, and now I just, instead of keeping everything forever, I keep what I need to keep for seven years. And after seven years, the hard copy goes out. So, um, I have been in the last couple of months getting rid of stuff, boxes and boxes of paperwork. If, if you've ever worked for an accountant, you know, uh, that paper is their trade. And I, I guess that was the way I was trained. So now I'm shedding myself of all that. And, uh, it's, it's very freeing. Like a cleansing process. Mm-hmm. 
but once a year I back up my cloud and uh, I have to be uh, very diligent about that just to make sure that I don't lose anything and that I can uh, recover things. And I'm not sure how that's going to work 10 years down the road, but for right now it's working just fine. Yeah, that's that in itself is, is a big, big deal. You know, I did a similar move personally, probably not quite as big of a place, and I had moved a few times along the line, which gives you opportunities to kind of clean out and do different things. But um, when I moved to a one-bedroom studio or when a one-bedroom condo after living in a large four-bedroom place with a two-car garage, et cetera, et cetera, I, that was kind of the one thing that crawled crawled through at the end of just going through and shredding because it's so easy when you have a garage or you have, you know, ample storage to put all those documents in a box and pretty soon 10 years has gone by. You don't have to keep those documents anymore. There's like kind of a security blanket with that, right? So I remember sitting out on my deck in Tahoe and with a shredder for hours and hours shredding documents anyway there's there's that aspect of it and the one that i haven't dealt with that's on on the list is uh photographs oh right in a in a, a three thousand square foot house you have walls galore and you can hang pictures there's there's all kinds of options for that but but now that you don't have all that space for pictures then you have to think about what you're going to do with them and uh it's probably going to be scan them and, you know, pull them up when we want to see them and maybe some type, kind of a digital frame or something like that or um, or just get rid of them. That's Prob- hard. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. That's really a hard one. Like how, how do you tell a parent to get rid of their school pictures of their kids? You know, <laughs> you can't. I mean, you can't and you shouldn't, right? But you got to do something. You got to digitize them. You've got to... You, I mean, you've got to do something with them. Well, we have photos of my family. My niece is graduating high school 25 years ago. I don't think we need to have that on top of the fireplace anymore. Right, right, right. Exactly. It's, a, it's okay to put them away and take them down. We don't mean anything personal, but no. it's not going to be There's <laughs> no room. in a frame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so funny. Okay, well, so... I have to say, I um, I just toured this really fabulous, fabulous condo. Like I said, in in Pack Heights in San Francisco, not not such a shabby neighborhood to be in. And um, Chuck and Diana have, I think, really enjoyed and settled into this space, or it certainly appears. You guys have remodeled this, and it looks designer. We should just do this on a. We should, we should follow this up with a little video deal. <laughs> no, they're shaking their heads. No, this is my space. Anyway, it's absolutely gorgeous. Big, big change. It just looks beautiful. You seem super happy with where you are. I was excited when I came to visit because I couldn't believe all the things that were right at my fingertips. My uh, audio equipment, I had a little problem before I came, I Googled where to find some microphone wire. I went right down the street before I came here and walked into Guitar City and got all set up. And I mean, just like everything is here. I love, I love your life. I'm super excited for you. 
What, um, so now that you're at this point, and it's been hard. I mean, this is a big, big thing. What, um, what advice, what words of wisdom would you give someone else that's going to be going through the same thing? My first thought is start cleaning earlier. <laughs> Don't wait to the last minute to box those things and to get rid of things. And be very careful about what you're buying because you really don't need to fill that big house every nook and cranny. You don't need to have all those things. And that's become really apparent moving into this space here. In the transition from large place to small place, don't put as much value on things uh, or it's going to be tough to get rid of them. Once you make your decision to, to go, Part of that decision has to be an evaluation of, of your stuff. And you need to say, you know, some of this stuff is not going to come with me and, and I'm going to be okay with that. And that helps a lot because there's a, that's one of the first steps and that's one of the first angst generating steps that you're going to have. Mm, I like that. Those are great finishing words in my opinion, which is really keep your eye on the prize, right? And, don't focus on things, but focus on experiences and look at all the experiences to come. So I love that you've created all these amazing opportunities for more experiences. And this is a couple who knows how to do experiences like nobody's business. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on our show, Diana, Chuck. I just adore you. I have, to, I got to share one, one quick little story, personal story for my listeners in that. Chuck and Diana continue to teach me as now a friend, started as a real estate agent. They were the first clients I ever had that I learned it was okay to be friends with my clients. I always tried to separate work and friends, work and family and um, they made me realize that it's all one and it's all fabulous and what a prize that's been. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. This show is sponsored by Jay Sondi with U.S. Bank. Our experience with Jay has been very positive. With 19 years of lending experience, his knowledge is broad and his ability to understand the big picture is deep. In addition, Jay has trained hundreds of mortgage professionals to package loans. His expertise is valued within his own industry and certainly to our clients. A little over a year ago, Jay moved to U.S. Bank because he felt the pricing was most competitive and the product and service were spot on. He's been pleased with the decision and so have his clients and his realtors. Um, I can definitely say that's true. Jay's goal is to deliver an informed, transparent, and quick process with low stress levels and competitive rates. And on top of that, he's a really nice guy and easy to talk to. Jay Sandy with U.S. Bank. Thanks for listening today. And please check us out on Real 510 on iTunes. To find out even more, visit our website, kimcolerealestate.com. We're a boutique real estate brokerage, women-owned and team-enacted with a focus on urban luxury housing. We are located in Oakland's Jack London Square, serving Oakland and the greater Bay Area.